Hey guys, it's Jalen Richardson and my topic is reflective practice. Reflective practice should be at the heart of what we do as early childhood educators. The book starts out by saying, a love of learning is a key component of the disposition that many teachers of young children possess. And I think that is so true. You have to have a heart when it comes to teaching. The book goes on to say, when teachers engage in reflective practice, they use observation to notice children's learning in the moment, revisit moments of learning through the use of documentation, and plan for future activities. In this sense, teaching practice is constantly evolving in the same manner that children's learning evolves, and children and teachers become partners in the learning process. There are different levels of reflection. Early childhood practitioners engage in each level of reflection alone and with others in order to gain insights into their teaching and young children's learning. The first level it talks about in the book is shallow reflection. When teachers and practitioners engage in shallow reflection, they are often noticing progress with respect to certain goals. This is often the type of reflection that gets shared with families in the form of newsletters and bulletin boards posted inside and outside of the classroom space. For example, a teacher might observe how many letters her preschoolers are able to recognize and then reflect on how she might keep students focused on the alphabet in small group activities. An example, a second grade teacher might notice that children were fidgety during large group discussion about the town library. She may then reflect on ways to help students pay attention during large group discussions. The next level is applied reflection. When teachers are able to make connections between theory and practice, they're able to make connections between their observation, educational theory, and new applications. The book talks about how we can use KWHL charts. For example, as a first grade teacher uses them to see what children know, want to know, and how they will go about learning something new. Through the use of these charts, the first grade teacher can observe children's learning and reflect upon her own efficiency in the classroom in helping students connect new understanding to previous knowledge. Another example, a preschool teacher might notice her three-year-olds get cranky while waiting for her to pass out snacks. She may reflect upon ways to provide opportunities for children to develop autonomy in the classroom. So maybe she has the children come get their snacks or has the snacks already placed on the tables but she's using what she sees and then reflecting on how can I change this what can I implement to change this or to make this better make this go smoothly the next level is analytical reflection this type of reflection expands teachers observations and reflections to consider issues outside of the classroom walls Teachers engaged in analytical reflection recognize that their actions have consequences and that classroom practices are linked to larger social, political, and ethical issues. An example, a preschool teacher might observe that some children get more turns at being line leader than others, even though they use an eeny, meeny, miny, mo song to choose who will lead the line each day. So even though they're using the same strategy each day, they're not getting a fair outcome. 
the teacher might engage the class in an activity to find an equipped democratic practice for selecting a daily line leader and reflect upon ways that every child has opportunity to demonstrate leadership in the classroom. Another example, a second grade teacher who observes students in leveled reading groups might reflect upon whether differentiated instruction within groups would provide non-native English speaking students with more opportunities for success in the classroom. She might then further reflect on ways to document student success in the classroom and invite parent volunteers to help take photos and record dialogue. The last level is self-reflection, and this is where we put it all together. A teacher uses the observation she's collected and her awareness of the greater landscape for education to consider her own teaching practice. Student teaching seminars often use journals as a way to, for students to begin the systematic process of writing about classroom experiences. Explicitly asking students to record specific moments and look for ways that their individual biases, beliefs, and values impact the classroom practices. This can be beneficial for new teachers as well as veterans. Observation and reflection provide teachers and children with short and long-term benefits. As a result of a close observation, teachers may develop empathy that was not felt before with respect to a specific specific child or a group of children. Empathy is as important for young children as it is for teachers, so modeling behaviors through the use of documentation helps create a classroom environment that is respectful for all members of the group. The act of collaborating with colleagues, parents, and families and inviting children to be primary active participants in their learning experiences establishes strong relationships that shape highly engaged classroom experiences throughout the school, home environments, and border community. A key component of observing young children is the recording of the observation. It is therefore critical to examine the means by which observations become visible and shared by one or more individual in the democratic classroom environment. So like I stated at the beginning, reflective practice should be at the heart of what we do as early childhood educators. We may need to make sure that we are focusing on each individual child and not the plan of the day. It is often a very busy day when working with young children. And because of this, people find themselves just going through the motions. But we need to make the time to really tune into the children. What are they into? What excites them? When do they light up? We can then use this information What were the children really excited about today? What were they curious about? What questions did they have? And how can I use this information toward tomorrow's lesson to further their learning? When children challenge us, it is easy just to label them as the difficult child, but that is in no way beneficial to you nor that child. We need to step back and focus on that child. 
we need to figure out what is really happening with that child. What is causing them to be frustrated? What is causing them to act out? But also, when is that child at their best? And how can we bring that out more and more? We have to become more mindful. We have to slow down and observe and notice. We need to really see what the children are doing. We need to look at our situations through the lens of what do you see, what do you think, and what do you wonder. The video that I'm going to attach to this, the woman speaking, is very knowledgeable when it comes to reflective practice and how we can implement it in the classroom. She goes into different examples and different ways to implement it and how we can make the time. And that's really what it boils down to. Just making the time to be a good teacher. To bring out the best in all of our students. And if the kids were really interested in bugs today, even though we're supposed to do farm animals tomorrow, like she mentions in the video, maybe we just adapt our lesson and teach the same lesson, but instead make it about bugs. And we just really go off of our kids cues and just tune into each child and see you know what are they curious about what are they excited about and how can I implement that in my lessons and that is reflective practice thank you